0: You're listening to the Husker Cuz Sports Show, the official podcast of HuskerHype.com.
1: Now, here's Justin Fielder,
0: Derek Stafford, and Tyler Schaefer.
2: Hey guys, Justin here along with the cousins, Derek and Tyler. We got a fantastic episode planned for tonight. Earlier tonight, we talked with Adam McClintock of uh, projection analytics. We discussed his guide, Adam McClintock's analytic college football preview, stat heavy, completely fascinating. Uh, He'll get into it a little bit later. We're also going to throw out our conference title games, pick the winners, and then we're also going to throw out our playoff predictions But first, we're going to talk about some practice nuggets and some BTN action that we had this past week. Tyler, what do you think?
0: Well, I think there was a lot of interesting practice nuggets since we were last on. Uh, We had Aaron Swanson on last week, and she gave a great interview. But one of the big nuggets that came out uh, over the last week was about the quarterbacks. Um, you know, there was this big thing about Scott Frost wanting to name a quarterback a week before, and he alluded to on Thursday, how close that quarterback uh, competition is. And one of the most interesting things is he alluded to the fact that he would be open to playing two quarterbacks this fall. And I just think that's a really interesting thing regarding, uh, what I think of college football in general and how tight this race really is.
2: Derek, what do you think about the two-quarterback race? Or just playing two quarterbacks, I should say.
1: You, you guys know my opinion. I hate playing two quarterbacks. I, I, I've always been the firm believer, like uh, Verduzco and, and Frost has even said, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one. I, I believe we do have one, but if, if the, if the competition is that close, I get where they're coming from, I guess. Uh so, I guess, I guess let's just dive into this. Like, we've had this conversation a few times. Where do you, who, who do you guys see starting game one? You know, the closer
2: that we get, we're, I don't think we're hearing anything about any clear cut guy, but if they are truly as close uh, as what they're saying, You know, we got all of these big bodied receivers, excellent receivers, right? If Jebby is the better passer, don't you want the guy that has the better chance of getting the ball into the hands of those receivers? I mean, if they're that close, I think that is something that you would really want to consider. The legs are great, but uh, uh, the legs of Adrian Martinez are great, but we got some solid running backs back there, right? Do we need a quarterback to run that often? Scott Frost he hasn't shown that he runs a quarterback a hell of a lot. It's it's great, but
1: so so it's funny you mentioned that because I I, I looked this up because I, I actually read an article that almost changed my mind on who I thought was gonna be a starting quarterback. So I went back and I actually looked the these stats up. And under Frost, Mackenzie Milton only ran eight point one five times a game his first year and ten times a game his second year. Uh that's the most he's ever had a quarterback run. Like Mackenzie Milton only ran. He he did run. Uh, I'm sorry, that was Mackenzie Milton. Uh, Mariota had him ran nine times a game, and uh, you know I, I think when everybody sits there and thinks about the, the this new offense that we're going to run, I think everybody's kind of anticipating more the style with Taylor Martinez. And I start so I went back and looked at Taylor Martinez. In the three in the three years, and I, I just came up with the three years that he did because his senior year, he was hurt most of the year. Uh, he ran 12.46 runs per game in 2010, 14.54 in 2011, and 13.94 in uh, 2012. So I think when, when we're all sitting here thinking about uh, the, these quarterbacks running, I think we're, we're anticipating them running more like with the Bo Pelini offense. And that's probably really not the situation. And and with that being said, so maybe maybe the legs aren't as big of a factor as what I personally thought they were uh, at the beginning of this. If he's not going to run the quarterback any more than what he does, then is that? I mean, as long as you have that advantage of uh, just just be having a, a defense have to prepare for a quarterback to run, then I think either either quarterback is capable of doing that. Uh, however, at the end of the day, I still I still feel with uh, Taylor. Or, uh, I'm sorry, Adrian Martinez's athleticism, and I think his arm is somewhat comparable to jevia's Then I think I still feel that Martinez probably starts.
2: Good Lord, Dirk! You built it up and kept building it up, thinking that, uh, <laughs> and I was thinking that you were going to change it to Jebbia, and you went back on everything that you said. It was like, oh, you know. Screw the stats. I still think it's Martinez. Basically, is what you did.
0: (laughs) Tyler, jump in here. Well, so I was on the Jebbia train for quite a while. and, And Justin, I agree with you. I think he is the better passer. The coaches have said it. He is a better passer. Uh, I think when you look at our strength of our team, it's wide receivers. But in the last couple of weeks, I've started to go over, and my new number one quarterback by slight hair is Adrian Martinez. And I have three factors why that is. One, I have heard numerous reports that the offense looks a little bit faster with Adrian Martinez. I think that is a huge factor in what Scott Roberts wants to do. Um, If the offense is running faster with him, I think that might have something to do with understanding of the offense. I think that's a key component. Two, I believe Adrian Martinez's legs are the biggest home run threat of either quarterback. Uh, Derek, I'm kind of with you. I think that both can run, both are athletic, but Martinez and both can pass. I don't think Martinez is a terrible passer, um, at least what I've seen so far. But his legs are a difference maker, and I think that's something that our offense is in dire need for. And the third reason is, I am still not a hundred percent convinced that Jebbia is ready to take 70 to 75 snaps a game. Um, I think he's still probably a little undersized to play division one quarterback. And I think that that could be a factor. Now, what I will say is I fully anticipate at this point in time of us going into Akron with a two quarterback system. Um, I just think that there is no reason why the coaches would not give both these guys meaningful snaps in the first half. Um, it, it's going to be a tight race. I think that's what they are going to do. I agree, do you think? That'll I agree kill- with
1: you. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I agree with you. However, who do you see taking the first snap? Like, I, I do think we'll, we will see both quarterbacks in that first half.
0: Martinez. Okay. I think it's going to be Martinez. I, at this point in time, I think Martinez, you know, if I was going to put a number on it, I think it's going to be about 70% Martinez. I think he's going to take more of that first half, but I think you're going to see both quarterbacks take meaningful snaps.
2: God, I don't know if I'd be a fan of that there in the first half. I think. I, I I just don't like you know it it kind of throws off momentum a little bit right. Just let the guy play, just keep him playing, and uh, you know maybe in the second half, I guess later in the second half, do it. I I I don't know.
1: I, I, I just don't I, like I it. think where you're trying I think where you're trying to come from is is the rhythm of it. Like yeah, you you don't, you don't want to throw a guys rhythm off. I and I, I agree with you too. But if the competition is that close, I don't want to wait till the second half when I'm hoping we're beating these guys 42 to nothing. I mean, I'm hoping by the first half this game is pretty much out of range.
0: Well, so so let, let me put this out there. So, okay, so let's assume it's Adrian Martinez. That's the guy. That's who a lot of people think. Let's say it's going to be the guy. And let's say we do what you say and play Adrian Martinez the whole first half. You throw Tristan Jebia in the second half, you're not going to get a good read of what he's doing. Then you're going into Colorado, and let's say you do the same thing. I, I I just think what you're building to is you're not really getting a good eye of who's playing better, and what when you don't want to find out who your quarterback is, when you don't want to go through the drawing board, is when you go to Ann Arbor. You need to know who your guy is by Ann Arbor, and that's why I think you got to— you know, you almost treat them like preseason games because their non-conference is so terrible. You give them both meaningful
1: snaps. The, the one thing I'd say about that is maybe, maybe and I, I don't know if it matters if you play them the first half, second half, or however you want to split it up, but if you play all, both quarterbacks for the for all the non-con games and keep both quarterbacks somewhat fresh for, for Michigan, it, doesn't that give you a little bit more of an advantage too? Plus, they both have three games experience going in.
2: 100%. I I still don't like the rotating quarterback and the way that you're proposing it is if, you know, Martinez starts and Jebbia comes in the first half and he plays, essentially you're going to rotate unless you're going to not play Jebbia more than one or two series in the first half. I mean, if you're going to do do it with that intention, you're going to be rotating and that just that doesn't provide any rhythm for the offense and what they're trying to do. It's I I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It But if the coaches think that's necessary to determine who that guy really is, well, then we're in pretty bad shape then if they don't have one guy that they can trust to run the offense for a full game. That does not bode well for the season.
1: That's what I think. I think you're going a little overboard on it, but okay.
2: Okay. Uh, Derek, out of spring practice, or, I'm sorry, out of fall practice this past week, the defensive coaches spoke yesterday. Uh, nobody's speaking today. Offensive coaches will speak tomorrow. But what has stood out to you since we've last uh, recorded?
1: Well, it was, it was it was a little funny to me because uh, there was some breaking news today and Will Jackson left the team. And it was strange to me that uh, Travis Fisher had mentioned yes, just yesterday, mentioned how – he was really struggling to pick up the playbook, and he had a long ways to go if he wanted to get some playing time. And and now you're seeing tweets out there today talking about, hey, he's probably going to the practice squad, and so he leaves a team. I mean, the guy, this is like the, the if he gets onto another team. I mean, I say if because I don't know where he's going to land. Uh, this will be his fourth team, and he's going to be what like a junior. I guess. Yeah, I mean, so so I think at some point you have to start looking at the player. It's kind of starting to feel like the uh, Jordan Stevenson situation where, I mean, the guy came here for like two months and leaves.
2: Of course, he, never plays is, in,
1: he doesn't play in a game, but.
2: Yeah, so I don't know what that does to his status since he never really played and he never took started any classes in the fall. I don't know what that does to his eligibility wise. I, I, does he have to sit? I don't. That's that is just crazy. I don't I, know what he's gonna do. Yeah,
1: that's a good question. I don't know quite how that works, but I mean, and good I, luck. Good luck to the kid. He obviously didn't want to participate here. So, see ya. I mean, but good luck where you go. I I would never wish ill will. I hope he finds a good school to go to and plays well there. All right, moving on.
2: Tyler, <laughs> do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Well, I I think, you know, Will Jackson's intriguing to me. I thought this was a guy I thought actually contributing in our secondary this year. You know, I I haven't redone my depth chart in a little bit, but I saw him potentially combining uh, or competing for that fourth corner spot. I thought it was going to be him and Eric Lee kind of battling out for that fourth corner spot, Um, you know, and obviously he wasn't. You know, meeting the mustard there, but um, the guy who sounds like he's really starting to take maybe that fourth corner spot or even better is uh, another true freshman. We've talked a lot about Cam Taylor, but is Braxton Clark? Um, you know, there's been a lot of reports about how he's been playing in practice, and um, I think you look at this depth at secondary. You're going to see some young guys hit the field. Uh, I think Braxton Clark, for you know people that have not been following the practice reports, he, he is a guy that is looking to get some major play time this fall.
2: So, is there any concern to you, Tyler? You know if we're starting not starting, but uh these true freshmen are getting a majority of uh snaps there in the secondary doesn't that isn't that cause for alarm for you as we head into Big Ten play and you know your big, some of your contributors there at corner are true
0: freshmen i mean that doesn't that scare you a little bit? Yeah, yeah, it, do- it does. I mean, I think I, I like what I'm hearing about them because I think you look at the future. I, I think you gotta love that the youth is, you know, at least performing. I I haven't loved their secondary. I, it is. I'm coming around to it. I, I, I'm getting a little bit more optimistic as the season nears. Um, I still don't think these guys are going to be starting uh, this fall. Cam Taylor and Mil- uh, or Clark. Um, but I but I do think they are going to be factors. Uh, again, I I today sit
1: here still do not love where a secondary is. Derek, thoughts? Okay, so I kind of want to go back to the Braxton Clark thing. Uh, you know, uh, again, Travis Fisher he came out and and, and singled him out in, in in the interview and talked about how he had three or four interceptions and he either led the team or was tied for the lead of the team and in interceptions. So I, I guess uh, I kind of, I don't really want to get back in quarterback conversation, but I, and I know we talked about this with Aaron last week, but th- does it not make you feel that either our quarterbacks are really bad or our defensive backs are getting that much better?
2: That's, yeah, that's something that we won't know until the season starts, I don't think.
1: So, so uh, it's, it's either a really scary thought or a really exciting thought, and I'm not sure which way to feel on that yet. Yeah, I I don't have an answer for you. I don't know how to
2: answer that question. I I don't because it's great points. I but it's I don't I don't know. Tyler, do you have any thoughts on that?
0: Well, I I, until Justin, you said it until we see the beginning of the game, you don't know that answer. Um, You really don't know how that's going to shake out. Um, Again, the way I read it is DBs maybe better than I think, but I still don't think they're going to be great. Uh, to me, I, I'm going to look at it half-empty. I, I am more concerned than I am happy about these news.
2: Okay, the Big Ten Network, they were in Lincoln uh, the past few days uh, watching practice. And one of the good things about them being there is some of their comments coming out, as opposed to the last three years, they weren't trashing the way Nebraska was practicing. They weren't saying that they was all relaxed and kind of lackadaisical practices. They they kind of said really positive things about practice, Derek. What did you think about BTN?
1: I always love it when they come when they come to town because they I, they they seem to usually be pretty optimistic on Nebraska, and I'm not always sure why, but they are. And uh, I, I suppose they're probably optimistic on all the teams, but when they come out and say that this is the best practice they've ever seen at Nebraska. Since they've been doing this for the last twelve years, but of course Nebraska hasn't been there for twelve years, but but it's the best practice they've seen at Nebraska since Nebraska's been in the Big Ten, and they claim that Nebraska this was the best practice they had seen in the Big Ten so far. If if it wasn't the best, it was the second best, and to to speak that highly, to, it spoke volumes to me, and it wants me to be optimistic, but I'm. Still trying to taper my expectations as best I can, you know? Tyler, what do you think of that segment?
0: Well, I, I think the thing that I got most excited about is when they talked about the offensive line. I have been very uh, pessimistic about this bunch going to the fall, um, you know, with, with the hope of, yeah, maybe this Husker Power thing is getting it back. And the, the, the term they used is physical and they compared the Nebraska offensive line to teams like Penn State and Michigan uh, as far as as physical of the units and that's good company to be in. I think those are two of the better teams in the Big 10 and the fact that we are in that company says a lot about where this team is going.
2: Yeah, and it's a real surprise because after last year you wouldn't have thought that we were even in the top 75% of the conference, you know. It looked bad, but yeah, that's that was really positive. I enjoyed that. So are we ready to play the Adam McClintock interview or do you have anything to add? Let's bad? do okay. it. All right. Uh, so we're now going to play the Adam McClintock interview. Sit back and enjoy. We're sitting down with college football enthusiast and creator of projection analytics, Adam McClintock. Adam, thank you for, so much for joining the Husker CuzCast tonight.
3: How you guys doing?
2: Doing oh, we're good. fantastic. Thank you so much for joining us. So tell our listeners a little bit of your background.
3: Well, I um you know I'm an I'm a uh, aerospace engineering major by by trade. You know, I'm I work in the aerospace industry. That's that's kind of what I that's my real job, you know. <laughs> but uh this is something that kind of came about in college. Um you know, uh after some uh, the finals of one of my semesters, they had us do, do proving some crazy uh, Kepler's law, of planetary motion using mathematics, which is basically it uh, tries to predict where uh, celestial bodies are at any point in their orbit. I thought, well, you know, if, if, if math can do that, I can, I can figure out a way for it to, to maybe predict some college football games. So I started 10 years ago. I was now um, trying to, uh, come up with a math model that would that would predict uh college football games as accurately as possible and 10 years later I'm still tinkering with it trying to get it to to, to project the best I can so
2: well your uh document I guess for lack of a better word Adam McClintock's Analytic College Football Preview is mm-hmm. it's it's tremendous uh, thank you so uh we're going to get into a lot more of the matrix and stuff but uh what? I just have a question uh, how accurate has this proved to be for you?
3: Um, over the 10 years that I've worked on this, it averages the, uh, the baseline projections, which is what you see in the, in, the, in the preseason preview, it hits about 73% of all games played all year long. Um, I actually will go in as the, as a, as the uh, season progresses, and every week I'll add uh, data to this model uh, after every game is played. And uh, so the model continuously updates itself as the season goes along. That in-season model usually hits about 76 um, the, percent. The highest it's ever hit is 79 percent, and the lowest it's ever hit is 72 percent. So it's always somewhere in that range. And just for, just for uh, reference, Vegas usually is, is around 78, 70, between 76, 76 and 78 percent. So:
2: That's amazing.
0: Well so your goal ultimately is probably to take Vegas. So that's where oh, I think yeah. you're headed oh, my, with this. So
3: my goal I set for myself is eighty percent. I want to hit eighty percent. I just I've come up just short a few times. So
0: Well so so for the people uh oh, listening right now, let's talk a little bit about what makes up your matrix. So, you know, what factors do you use to derive your matrix every year?
3: Well there's a there's a few things. I try to keep it as simple as possible, just just you know, because I like to take complex things and try to make them simple. Um, I use returning starters, you know, returning experience. What is coming back from, 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 the team experience wise. I use, um, offensive production returning, you know, of those returning starters, sometimes it's not good to get those guys back after what they've done, but, um, I'll, I want to know what they did before, you know, what production is coming back both on the offensive and defensive side of all. I also, um, factor in coaching efficiencies, both, the head coach and the coordinators as well. Um, I have databases uh, for the head coach that that will that goes back to 2005 that uh, logs tracks efficiencies for every single head coach that's ever walked the sideline since 2005, and for every game. Um, offensive and defensive coordinators, I use uh, a database that goes back to 2008. And I use 2008 because that was kind of the beginning of the whole, you know, uh, pushing the pace. Uh, era, you know Chip Kelly, that whole offense really started taking over college football, um, in about around 2007 or 2008. So things changed at that time point in time. Um, I use every single play call by every single coordinator since 2008 to track efficiencies and, and play calling in those coordinators. So, um, long story short, that that all put together is is, is what makes up my my uh, my math model for for, for these
0: projections. So the coaching is really intriguing to me so you go through and break down by the play um and how it goes so so tell us a little bit more so what makes uh an offensive coordinator for example to be an efficient offensive coordinator
3: it's basically like an uh, uh, efficiency is basically a measure of uh, it takes a bunch of things into account it takes into effect or into, into account the effectiveness of of, of run calling uh, pass calling um, um the pace that he that he uses the place per game he uses it also takes into account uh how successful is he in his play calling so what i set out to do when i was trying to trying to to determine efficiency was i want to set a, a level playing field for teams like um georgia tech who maybe run 45 to 50 plays a game okay slow pace grind it out you know old school football versus teams like Syracuse who are going to try to run 90 games, 90 plays a game. How do you get those on the same playing field? And it's, you boil it down to per play efficiencies. You know, what are they doing per play? Um, basically, what it, what it uh, boils down to is how much effort is that offense requiring to score one point? Um, and conversely, on, on the defensive side of the ball, how much resistance is that defense putting up until that opposing offense scores one point? So that is basically what this is measuring.
0: So, so, you know, obviously, or not obviously, but one of the things that I found interesting reading, uh, your breakdown is Mm -hmm. you had Scott Frost really highly regarded as an offensive, uh, coordinator and a play caller. So for people that you kind of gave a little breakdown of how you got it, but was, was it mostly his efficiency that got him there or were there other factors in there?
3: Oh, it was, it was big time efficiency, right? His, his efficiency, um, uh, for example, in percentages, let's let uh, compare this to Langsdorf from last year. Okay, Frost, his efficiency over his career, he's he's hitting about seventy nine percent efficiency, which is top five. Okay, that's that's excellent. Langsdorf was about fifty four I, percent, if I remember correctly. So that's a massive jump in efficiency for um, just just for the play calling. Okay, the pace itself actually. You know, people, uh, I've seen people talk about how it's going to be so much quicker. That's not necessarily so. Um, Frost in his career he usually averages about 73 plays per game called on offense. Langsdorf last year was 72 plays per game around that area. So it's not necessarily he's hitting all gas all the time. He's using the pace as a changeup, sometimes within the same drive, sometimes within the same, you know, um, within the same game, think of it as a, a change up in, uh, in baseball. Um, so I throw a change up pitch. He's using it to get, to get the defense off balance. It's not, you're not going to see all gas all the time. Him, I don't believe that would go completely against his play calling, uh, history. So. Nice.
0: So, so we are, well, technically we got some college football this weekend, but when we look ahead to real college football, we're about 10 days out as we sit here. So, um, Talk about the first weekend of college football. Are there any potential upsets or surprises we could look forward to that weekend?
3: Um, Yeah, there were were three games that I really thought, you know, the outcomes were going to be interesting. You know, I think right now Auburn is actually a favorite favorite over Washington. Um, I have that game going to Washington by about six points. I think Washington wins that game. Um, also, Notre Dame, I have Notre Dame over Michigan by two. I believe, I'm not really sure if Michigan's favorite of that or not. I can't remember the latest line on that. Um, also, um, currently, the last line I saw, West Virginia is a 10 point favorite over, over Tennessee. I have that game almost to pick them. Um, Tennessee might pull that upset that week. And if, if there was a major upset to happen week one, I think that's it. I think Tennessee might upset West Virginia in, in week one. Wow. Or hey, week Ad- two or you're gonna see
2: it. <laughs> hey adam uh real quick how do you huh? acquire all this data that you crunch is and is it something that like the anybody can access
3: man it's a it's a labor of love man <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a, it I start um collecting the data uh, right after the national title game in, in january um it's usually manually enter- manually entered or I have a spreadsheet that will, you know, set up that that spits it out for me at the, at the end of the season. After all, everything is is scraped off the NCA sites and, and put it in place. So um, it uh, it's a labor of love. It takes it it takes from January until around April just to get my spring projections up and ready to go. And then from that point, it gets a little quicker with just the uh, the updates to fall. But right. yeah. You know,
2: is there like raw data that you use as you know just the actual raw data that uh you use to come up with your formula so that's i guess that's what I was getting at if i'm saying it right
3: um well i i guess there are a few stats that i do use off of the nca stats website um for example uh total points scored by the offense uh, plays ran just basic okay. data like that that i i plug into a spreadsheet and it calculates the efficiencies for me and then spits it out on, on, on the back end so no um, single
2: source it's all over the place
3: it's all over the place yeah that's awesome like i said it's 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 a uh yeah, it's a mad dash in january trying to get everything everything collected so
0: okay you know adam this is awesome what you're doing i my college roommate uh who uh, definitely gonna listen this week was a math major and we spent hours trying to do what you've done very successfully and uh again i love what you put together but when you're looking at college football from a little bit bigger spectrum this year what does your model spit out about some of the conferences and how they stack up against each other
3: well this year you know it's the gap is closing on the SEC, and I, you know everybody says that every year, but it, it's 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 true. You know, I've, I've watched it the past three or four years, especially that gap gets closer and closer and closer. This year, the SEC still shows as the number one conference overall uh, when you look at the average team indexes, but number two is the Big Ten, and they're only uh, four index points behind, which is extremely close. Um, what is really holding the Big Ten back is is the bottom three and four teams out of the conference. You have um, Rutgers and Illinois at the bottom of the Big Ten, where in the SEC, you have your, your, your bottom T team, and teams are Vanderbilt and Kentucky, usually, uh, if I believe right. So, I mean, there's a little bit of difference competition there. Um, but the top the top teams are, are uh, probably, if you take the top four teams out of, out of both conferences, the Big Ten would be the toughest conference this year, so specifically the Big Ten East. Big Ten East is probably the toughest division. Um, not kind of the, the bottom two teams in the division. That division is going to be a beast this year for all involved.
1: So, All right. So with your model, uh, do you have any big surprise teams this year? Who would your biggest surprise team be?
3: Oh, yeah, man. UCLA. I, I, you don't hear anything about UCLA. You know, People are saying they're going to win three or four games. I got them winning eight. I think that if you are Nebraska fans out there, if if you are are, are screaming Nebraska is going to be a surprise team, is going to win six or seven games, you should be screaming the same thing about UCLA. The the two um, situations are almost identical. Both are top recruiters in their division or near top recruiters in their divisions. They both have uh, great roster talent. Both exact same systems are being installed. Chip Kelly's is a little bit different than Scott Frost, but it's this at the core, it's, it's it's the same philosophy. It Came from the same place. Um, there was a culture problem there the years before. Um, mismanagement of talent. Schedules are very difficult um, for, for both UCLA and Nebraska. It's a it's a mirror image. So if if you think Nebraska can come in and win seven or eight games, then and you say UCLA can't, then you're not saying you know you're kind of talking out of both sides of your mouth. I think UCLA is going to win eight games this year. I, I think it's, they're, they're going to come in and surprise the people. Chip Kelly is going to have those boys ready to go. So um, on the flip side of that, I think West Virginia is going to disappoint. Um, I got them winning seven games. I see that they're, I saw their top 25 team, man, but I just don't see it. <laughs> it's just that defense just has a lot to prove. And, you know, I have Dana Holgerson as a, as an average at best coach. Um if, if they, if they do pull out a better season than I'm than than I'm showing here, then Will Greyer needs to be the number one draft pick, you know, hands down, because he's the one who's carried that team. So,
1: well, they definitely have a lot of hope for that kid. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. Uh, so you kind of you kind of got into Nebraska a little bit. What what are your expectations by your model with Nebraska then?
3: Well, I expect Nebraska to go uh, six and the, the, the model. Let's, let's let's make this clear. The model expects Nebraska to go to six and six. All right. Okay. Um, has them in three three toss up games and going zero and three in those toss up games, which is going to be heartbreaking if that happens that way. Um, the main reason that and just trying to interpret the numbers and, and see why it believes that is a lot of it is just the returning production. It, it doesn't see it being there for for, for Nebraska. Um, the the, the schemes change uh, and the returning talent is is uh, along with the schedule. The schedule is probably the biggest reason it has them going six and six instead of, you know, seven or eight games, the ceiling, it does have a nine and three ceiling. So if those three games do bounce the right way for, for Scott Frost and co then, then uh, nine wins is not out of the question. According to the model. Um, personally, I don't like to get in my opinions because that's not what I'm about. But I'm a Nebraska fan, you know, <laughs> I can't help it. I think they win seven games, seven pushing eight, but that's, that's neither here nor there. So,
1: All right. Uh, so, so with your model, who who do you have in the playoff? Or what four teams do you have in the playoff? Um, the four teams I have in the playoff, the most
3: the four teams I have most likely to get there um, are Clemson over, over, is my overall number one. That defense is going to be nasty. If you love to watch defensive football, watch the Clemson Tigers this year. Their defensive line is going to be nasty. Um, Alabama as the second. Second seed. Um, I have Ohio State coming in. The third seed, depending on what we hear tomorrow, if Urban Meyer is gone, then that changes things quite a bit. Or suspended for a good amount of the year, then that changes things quite a bit. But right now, I still have him as the head coach the entire season, so that has them as the the third seed. Fourth seed, it was. Uh, There's a kind of a toss up between a few teams, but the team that, that is most likely to get there with the easiest schedule, easiest road, is Oklahoma. Um, I know they, they, they lose Baker Mayfield, who is a, probably a generational talent, but they have an athlete, at quarterback there who is a supreme athlete. And, you know, Lincoln Riley is another one of those offensive minds like Scott Frost, where you could put, um, God, I have a golden doodle. You could put a quarterback and Lincoln Riley is going to figure a way out, figure a way out how to get 28 points a game in the big 12 out of him. So, yeah. um, uh, you, you give a, a, a guy like Lincoln Riley that much talent quarterback, he's going to be able to draw plays up for him. So uh, I have Oklahoma being the fourth seed in that playoff.
2: Okay. Justin? Okay. So uh, this uh, document, how can people acquire this?
3: Yeah, uh, shoot me an email um, at uh, cfbprofessor at gmail.com. Um, i 'll send it to you for free um, i'm I might set up a, a patreon account next year that I might um, uh, have a subscription to for for people to kind of help me out with some of the expenses and some of the effort it takes to to, to get this done but right now it 's free i 'm um, open to suggestions anything that you need or anything you, you think would be better added to it let me know and i 'll try to work it in the best i can but yeah just shoot me an email and i 'll send it to i 'll send it to you as quickly as I can.
2: It is truly, it is truly awesome. 151 pages here. uh, Just, you know, just stats, you know, and Derek, he's our stat boy on this podcast. So I I know he loves it.
1: I I do. I I was as much impressed with this as I as I am with the Phil steel magazine. Honestly, I, I I love this thing. I, I guess it it looked through this all day long. Well, thanks man. I appreciate it.
0: Tanner, do you have something? Yeah, I I, I think I got one question. And as a Nebraska fan, um, I got to get you out without asking this. Put the model to the side. Mm -hmm. Who's going to be our starting quarterback week one?
3: Oh, man. Oh, I'll tell you what. It's if I knew that I'd I'd be making more money than I'm making right now. (laughs) 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 Oh, read the tea leaves. It sounds like Martinez is the guy, isn't
0: it? Although Jebby has kind of made a late push.
1: It's, it sounds that way to me. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean They're the
0: most debated topic in Huskerland right now. Oh, so. I know,
3: man. I, I listen. And I live. I live in Oklahoma, but I still listen to all the talk shows from up north in Lincoln and Omaha, and that's that's all I hear on the on the radio shows up there. Is you know the quarterback battle. So that'll be interesting.
2: Yeah, it won't be long before we we find out. So that's going to be exciting. Yeah. So. Okay, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. It's been awesome, and uh, we hope to talk to you soon.
3: Sounds good, guys. Anytime. Let me know. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks, thanks guys.
2: And there you have Adam McClintock talking about his guide to analytic, analytic college football preview. You can follow him on Twitter at CFB underscore professor. And if you want that guide, CFB professor at gmail.com. Email him. He'll send it to you for free. What would you guys think? Tyler, by the way, thank you for setting up that interview for us. That was awesome.
0: Well, I've been a fan of his uh, over the last couple of months. He puts out a lot of interesting stats. And, uh, you know, this guide that he put together, I I found about as fascinating of a read um, as I've seen going into the season. So a great interview. Thank you for coming on, Adam. Um, Even another reason to be more excited about college football.
2: All right, you guys ready to do these power five conference predictions
1: yeah, nobody, ever be.
2: <laughs> you know looking through these i I kind of think that we might agree on a lot of these conferences, but uh we'll see here. Let's start with the a c c Derek We're gonna start with you. Who do you have playing in the a c c title game
1: I don't know how you go against Clemson versus miami like i those are the those are the only two teams right now that I think really can compete nationally right now. So that's what I went with. And I have Clemson winning that game. So. Tanner.
0: Yeah, Derek, I'm with you. I think Clemson might have the best uh, defense in the country this year. Um, I really like them this year. I, I don't know if they'll go undefeated, but I think they are be a good team Miami. I, I don't love Miami, but kind of a process of elimination. The coastal's not, or I'm sorry. Yeah. The coastal is not a great division. Um, I, I got Miami coming out of that. And winning? Oh, and winning is Clemson.
2: Clemson, okay. I, am, I agree with you guys, Clemson and Miami. Yeah, the defense, both, uh, their defenses are going to be stacked. One interesting nugget that I found out of this is we're going to see, out of these two teams, Clemson and Miami, they'll play three SEC teams. Clemson will pay, play Texas A&M, at Texas A&M, and at South Carolina and Miami will play LSU in Arlington. So I guess you can kind of maybe ramp up maybe a little bit of the ACC versus sec talk, but all right. So all Clemson moving on to the big 12. Tyler, who do you have in the big 12 title game?
0: Uh, I have Oklahoma versus Texas. Uh, I, mean, I see a rematch of the red river shootout. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, Adam was on talking about how Oklahoma is a really good team. I like them, Rodney Anderson. Uh, Rodney Anderson, I think, has a good shot to make compete for the Heisman this year. Um, I like that offense, and I ultimately see Oklahoma winning that game.
1: Derek, I, I just I can't buy into Texas right now. Like, I get Tom Herman's a good coach. I, I just I'm not bought in yet, and I got to see more from him. Uh, I had to. I, I'm going to sound like an idiot after after that interview, but I had to go with West Virginia because, I mean, you got probably the, one of the best quarterbacks in the country leading your offense. They have, like, three of their top four wide receivers. And and when I'm talking three of the four wide receivers, they had two wide receivers last year that had over 1,000 yards. They lose one of them. And their third wide receiver had 960 yards receiving. Uh that offense is potent. Whether their defense is going to be able to stack up, I don't know. But in the Big 12, you don't have to have defense. All you have to do is have a good offense. So I have them too. And I, I kind of went with Oklahoma just for a process of elimination because I think they're the ones with probably enough powerhouse talent to win, to win that division right now.
2: Okay, I went with, well, First of, first of all, Tyler, I can't believe you went with Texas. That really shocks me. Uh, I want to see a little bit more wins out of them. I want to see a little bit more consistency because they haven't done anything the last five years. You know that they need a lot more wins. I don't know if they can get it this year, Derek. I kinda, I was kind of looking at West Virginia just based off of offensively at first. Uh, but ultimately I went with what I thought Tyler was going to choose is TCU Oklahoma versus TCU is what I have. And, uh, I, I like Oklahoma for the same reason that everybody likes Oklahoma out of the Big 12. TCU, I think TCU's defense is going to keep them in a lot of games. They're going to win a lot of games based off that defense.
1: But losing uh, Kenny Hill, doesn't that hurt them? I mean, exponentially. Yeah, like that, yeah, Their it, offense is going to struggle, I think.
2: I, I think their defense will keep them in the games, uh, especially the way that their schedule sets up. Uh, well
0: And and, and here's the thing. I guess for me, I I, I was really close to going with TCU there. But ultimately, when I looked at um, Texas, you know, they have a road trip to Oklahoma State that kind of concerns me. But they have a very favorable schedule. And I am a big Tom Herman fan. I think he is a hell of a coach. Um, You know, they, they were seven and six last year, but I see them taking a pretty big step forward. But I also don't think the Big 12 is that deep. Um, I think that is a weaker conference. I think nine wins gets you into that conference championship game. Uh, I, I, I am not a, I'm not a big 12 guy
1: this year. I'll agree with you on that. The, the big 12 is by far the weakest conference out there. All uh,
2: right. So far we all agree on ACC uh, Clemson and Oklahoma moving on to the pack 12. Derek, it's your turn.
1: Uh, the Pac-12. I have uh, Washington, and I have USC. I, I almost wanted to put UCLA in there, and he he had uh, Adam had just spoke about the improvements he sees out of UCLA. At the end of the day, I just I, I don't think Chip Kelly can turn it around quite fast enough to be playing for a conference title in that division. Uh, so so I went with USC because I think they're kind of default, I guess. More than anything, and, they, and you know they have a lot of four and five stars because you're USC. You recruit well. You don't. You don't have to be. You don't have to be a good recruiter to get kids to come there. I mean, so. And, but Washington. Washington has like 17 returning starters on a 10 and three team that was good last year. Uh, Oregon's they're they're replacing the coach, and I think that's probably their be- biggest competition outside of maybe Stanford. And Stanford just. I don't know. They didn't impress me much last year. So I, I don't know that I don't see them improving much this year.
0: Tanner. You know, Derek said it really wisely. Um, I got Washington USC. Wait, Derek, who you have winning Washington? Yes. I had Washington winning. Sorry. I don't think I said sorry, just it. Just make sure. Yeah. I, I, so uh, I, yeah, I agree with almost everything you said um, or everything you said. I think that that's the game I see. I see Washington winning it. Um, I will say, Early in the season, uh I think the game of the first weekend or the f- early in the season is gonna be Washington Auburn. Um I know a lot of people are big on Michigan, Notre Dame. I think that is the best game uh in the non conference schedule this year. Uh you know, and, and USC, I, I do think USC is gonna be a good team. I could see them being an undefeated regular season team. They avoid both Washington and Oregon, um, the next two best teams in the Pac twelve. Um But ultimately, I do think Washington probably wins that conference. Um, But USC is not one to sleep on. They probably have the best defense in that whole uh, conference, maybe the second-best defense in the country.
1: They they do pick up Stanford very early in the season. And that that one, if I was a USC fan, it would worry me a little bit.
0: Well, and everyone makes a big deal about them losing their quarterback, but – the only thing I remember from Sam Darnold last year was Interception Central. So <laughs> I I don't think that drop-off is going to be as bad as everyone thinks.
2: I went with Washington versus USC as well. Uh, I like wa- Washington. They kind of do have a favorable schedule. No USC. Home versus Stanford. Uh, and as far as USC goes, God, it's a, it's a one-man race. I, I, I'm not going to give UCLA uh, as much credit to you know, like give USC a run for the, their money there. It's maybe Utah could, but Utah's schedule is just piss poor. I mean, they got a tough schedule. Uh, If Utah comes out of it unscathed and makes it to the uh, championship game, then maybe they could knock off Washington. But right now I have Washington winning the PAC 12. Okay. SEC Tyler, your turn
0: uh i got uh georgia bama a rematch of the national championship right there um you know alabama i mean they may only be recruiting 10 starters but you know they have talent down there uh georgia i actually went back and forth with georgia and is surprisingly florida i think florida's gonna be much improved this year i actually like them to uh be in that conversation but uh And actually, like South Carolina, uh, shout out to our cousins down there. But I think that that division is going to be a lot more competitive. But I do think Georgia is going to get the edge, but they're going to get steamrolled against Bama. Um, Yeah, I I just think that this is a year that I think Bama could go undefeated unless that quarterback controversy kind of flakes a little bit. And their linebackers have been getting beat up this offseason. So,
1: Derek. Oh. I agree and I disagree with you all at the same time. Uh, the 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 East is Georgia's to lose. Like I I don't see. Sorry, I don't see South Carolina doing well. I think Florida's a little more of a transition year. I I think the East is just Georgia's to win. Like there's nobody going to compete with them. Uh, Bama, I mean, their schedule is so friggin' easy. It's it's horrible. Like. The only team that's ranked in their in the top twenty five that they play is uh, LSU coming in. Or well, the first one that they play is LSU, and that's November third. I think the only other team they that that's in the top twenty five as of right now is Auburn. So they have this weak schedule, and Auburn comes to Bama. So yeah, I, you're probably right. They probably go uh, regular season undefeated. However, I think Georgia finds a way to beat them in the SEC championship, and I have. I, I think I think Georgia just edges them out. I think they they should have had him last year and kind of fell apart in the second half. And I, I think uh, that coach over there uh, was it uh, Kirby Smart. Kirby Smart, yes. Uh, well, I think he's got to figure it out, and I think he'll figure it out and find a way to beat Bama in the championship game.
2: I have Alabama and Georgia as well, and it's basically because, unlike you, Tyler, I don't see that there's any other candidates. I think the SEC is going to be down this year. I don't think that they're going to be that great. uh, Two teams. Yeah, go ahead, Derek.
1: Sorry. I I don't like to interrupt, but isn't that kind of funny after we just had this conversation with Adam about the SEC and – how he was pretty high on him still, and he yeah. still had him above. And I just don't see it. Like outside of Alabama and Georgia, I don't see any other great teams in that conference right now.
0: I, I'm with you. I think that well, here here's the downfall. The SEC, they don't challenge themselves. They, they, they stay in their little bubble and they put themselves in favorable neutral site games and, and they and they don't play these power five teams and, and they do all these things. But but what I will say is this. I do think South Carolina and Florida are both on the uptick. I am not ready to think Auburn is done. I think they had a good year last year. I think they're going to have a good year this year. Uh, and I also – I mean, and Bama and Georgia are going to be good teams. I mean, like, I get it. I hate the SEC. I think it's bullshit they get to manipulate a schedule the way they do. But there are good teams in that conference. I, I don't think uh, – I, I, I just I, – I'm not ready to sit here and say – they're a bad conference. Now I will say I do think the Big Ten is better. I think the Big Ten East by division by itself is better than the whole SEC. So um, yeah. I am not agreeing there. So,
1: but you you bring up Alabama. You realize Alabama plays Citadel like two weeks before, right? I think either the week before Auburn or the two or two weeks before Auburn. And it's we, the week before. Is it the week before? Like we always yeah. sit here and talk about this, like how the SEC always has that bye week because they play this. Citadel team. And, and and Alabama literally has Citadel playing. I mean, come on. The yep, NCAA they, needs to step in and get away with this. That is a bunch they, of, that's a load of crap.
2: They always have their 11th week by a week. And plus, they only play eight uh, conference games. Why? Because the SEC is so tough. Hey, you know, if they can get away with it and still land in the conference or in the playoff every year, go be it. So bad, I
0: I hate it. I absolutely. The, co- hate the it. committee needs to send a message. Like yeah. one of these years, the committee needs to sit there and say, Alabama, you know what? You need to go on the road. You yeah. need to play nine power power five teams. You, you yeah. need to do it. I mean, you or ten power five teams. You need to do this to be there. And and you know what? We're going to get to a playoff soon. So, but obviously, spoiler. I think I have Alabama in there. But I would love the committee to see them like at a fourth seed. Punish him for such a weak schedule
2: yeah i'm just like what they did to uh baylor and tcu back you know uh back three years three four years ago 2014 there you go i mean the same argument you know it's ridiculous we need some consistency out of the uh, playoff committee as well but anyway uh sec i don't even remember did i even give my pick i gave my pick i don't think i okay Alabama and Georgia. I have Georgia winning it as well. And Tyler, you kind of alluded to this—the uh, linebacker situation there at uh, Alabama. I, I just, I think Georgia's going to get them this year. Why? And you know what? I'm kind of biased. I, I don't like Alabama. I hate <laughs> Alabama.
1: Does? Unless, yeah, unless, so, you, unless you live in Tuscaloosa, nobody likes Alabama. Yeah, I can't stand
2: them. Uh, but I'm, I'm going to go for. Uh, I'm going to pick Georgia here. All right, here here it is, Big Ten. We've kind of talked about this uh, two or three episodes ago when we gave our conference uh, standings, but uh, let's go ahead and pick the winner.
0: Tyler. So when we did the Big Ten preview, I, I had Penn State versus Wisconsin. Um, you know, and, and I will tell you, I, I truly believe this week we are going to find out that Urban Meyer is going to remain the head coach of Ohio State University. I do think the damage is done with that. I think there is some distractions there. Um, whatever happens, I think they end up losing probably a couple games and Penn State does still get in. Um, so I got Penn State versus Wisconsin. I have Penn State beating Wisconsin in the regular season at in uh, Happy Valley and Wisconsin avenging that loss in the Big Ten Championship. So I got Wisconsin win the Big Ten this year.
2: Interesting.
1: Uh, Derek. I, I can agree with you on part of it. I, Penn State's losing too much on defense. I, I can't buy into Penn State. We already had this discussion. We don't have to go back into it. Uh, and, and you guys know that I've picked Michigan State, and you guys know why I've picked Michigan State. They got 19 returning starters coming back on a 10 and three team. Their their schedule is so favorable. They their only tough road game is going to Penn State. They get Michigan and Ohio State at home. Uh, I have them playing against Wisconsin who also has a pretty favorable schedule this year where they go on the road to lose Penn state. And I, I, I agree with you on that Ty. That was the one game I had them losing this year was losing to Penn state on the road. Uh, cause not, not that I think Penn state is a terrible team. I just don't see him being a great team right now. Uh, but I, 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 I as well have uh Wisconsin winning that game. I, th- I think, I think it'll come down to the wire and it'll be, that'll probably be the best conference championship game out of all of them. But I, I think, I think, I think Wisconsin will come out on top.
2: All right. My turn. Uh, I have Wisconsin making the, uh, championship game as well, playing Ohio state. And that's not only because that we were on the urban renewal podcast a couple of weeks ago. I want to stand with it. I think, uh, Ohio State, I still think that they have enough talent to win that division, but I do not like them winning the Big Ten title. I have Wisconsin as well, so I am completely shocked. All three of us have Wisconsin. I thought I was going to be the only one.
1: I thought I'd be the only one, too.
2: Yeah. So all three of us have Wisconsin. Uh, To recap, all of us have Clemson winning the ACC. All of us have Oklahoma winning the Big 12. All of us have Washington winning the Pac-12. SEC, we are split. Tyler, you have Alabama. Uh, Derek, Manu, we have Georgia. And all of us, again, Wisconsin, shocking. With that being said, guys, let's jump into our playoff uh, teams. So, Derek, what are your playoff teams? And
1: rank Oh, I knew you were going to do it. I really didn't rank them. I guess if I had to rank them, I would go Clemson 1, because I think Clemson will probably go undefeated. I have uh, Georgia number 2, and Wisconsin 3, and Washington 4.
0: Tyler? So I have uh, Bama 1. I think Bama's schedule is too easily. I think they will probably go undefeated this year. Um, I also got Washington going undefeated. Um, and I think that winning against hopper is going to be big. I think there might be some controversy there. I'd like to see the committee put them, but they they won't. They'll, they'll go Bama 1. Um, 3, I got uh, uh, Clemson. I, I do think Clemson is going to slip up some point, so I do think they're going to lose a game, but they'll get in. And for my fourth team, I am going to go with Oklahoma um, over Wisconsin. I think the big 10 is going to get left out again. And this came down to the fact that I think that Wisconsin has a better shot to have two losses than Oklahoma. I think they both win the conference championship. Um, They're both over 10 wins, but I think Oklahoma probably has a little bit better shot to go, uh, to, to only lose one game, and Wisconsin may slip up twice. I will say this. If USC goes undefeated, which I think they have a shot to do, I would not be shocked if two Pac-12 teams made it.
2: Oh, no. Jeez.
1: <laughs> I've seen crazier shit, though. <laughs> I, I, I think I heard Justin just gag. Like, I thought he was going to be a little <laughs> bit.
2: Uh, okay. I have Clemson, number one, Georgia, number two, Wisconsin, three, and Oklahoma 4. I don't have a Pac-12 team in there at all. And I think Washington slips up. I don't think that they go through their entire schedule unscathed. Uh, I think they have at least one loss there. Uh, and I think that they will get left out. Go ahead, so,
0: so, so, Justin, so I, I guess I'm curious, where do you have the conference rankings right now? Because to me, I think the top two conference are clearly the Big 12 SEC. Yeah. I have the pac Twelve, a pretty substantial third best conference. Are you not agreeing with that?
2: No, I like the ACC.
0: I, I like the ACC oh, ahead wow. of them. How? There's two teams. The third best team in that conference is Vautech, and they may only win eight
1: games. Well, I mean, you could argue that maybe Florida State's still in there, but uh, with a, with a new coach, it's it's so hard to argue. I, there's there's just too much. There's too much going on in the ACC right now for me to put them up there. I guess. So, so a lot of the
2: talk on uh, college sports radio uh, channel eighty four on Sirius, they've been talking a lot of, and I've seen other articles. Boston College, they're starting to pump Boston College up a little bit with uh, their offense and run game. I, I'm, I'm starting to buy into them. I think that they could possibly upset some people. Oh, who knows? Maybe Tyler. Maybe uh, that's uh, who gives your Clemson a loss if you think they're going to slip up, but. Uh I, I don't know. I I, I don't like the Pac twelve. I mean I, I think there's only three teams that are really contenders there. Washington, Stanford, and I guess you can say USC. But uh so, I, was so, going so back. I, I,
0: I will say this. Our friend Adam mentioned talked about Boston College. He has not winning six games. So let's let's have faith in the mathematician over there and uh what's the ce- and-
2: what's the ceiling there?
0: Well, we might have to fact-check that, but I don't have that handy. But six games for Boston College, so. Uh,
2: But, no, uh, Pac-12, I I don't see a lot of good teams out of there. Like, again, the South, I think the South is going to be terrible. I like the ACC better. I'm I'm out on an island yet again, I guess.
1: (laughs) We like to keep you there.
2: Yeah. And then I think that probably the big 12 is the bottom of uh, the Power Five conferences. Can we agree on that at least?
1: Absolutely. I mean, Baylor just dropped off a cliff after all their Bs, and uh, Texas, I, they, they, you know, after Mac Brown they got they, they just they just haven't proven anything to me to be considered contenders for anything. Oklahoma's still a pretty good team. Iowa State seems to be a rising team, but you can't call them a powerhouse at this point. Uh, Who else do you have? I mean, Kansas State, they're average at best.
0: I I will say this. I I don't know. I'd probably go Big 12 last, but to me, it is close between them and the ACC. Um, You know, if if I was going to say, if I was looking at, if I was stack ranking the teams in the conference, I think clearly the two best teams in the conferences are uh, Clemson, Oklahoma, between the two. To me, Miami is probably better than Texas or TCU. Uh, Vortex probably up there, too. I I just I think that the ACC is a little bit more top heavy. They may not have as many bottom dwellers as the Big 12 or. The bottom slightly might be better, but they're both the worst conferences.
2: I don't know we'll we'll find out you know at the end of the day or at the end of the season I should say we're all probably going to be wrong (laughs) like (laughs) we we usually are are. yeah college football that's what that's what makes college football so much fun you know it's why we can have right oh you can have so much you know you can predict you think you're the smartest person in the world before the first game and then all of a sudden it's like oh son of a bitch I was way off I was (laughs) wrong but you know we will see all right, guys. This has been fun, but we got to move on to last call. Last call to you, Derek.
1: Okay. Uh, so Minnesota has announced their uh, their starting quarterback, who is walk on freshman Zach Anixstead. Walk on true freshman. That is amazing to me. Like. You didn't recruit well enough to have more than a better than a walk on true freshman, and I, I guess maybe I hope it, it kind of comes out to be a good story. Uh, he his his biggest battle was uh, redshirt freshman Tanner Morgan, but I so I went back and I looked at all the roster for Minnesota because I don't pay attention to Minnesota well enough to know their roster that they have four quarterbacks. Three of them are red shirt freshmen, and then they have this walk-on freshman. He beat all these redshirt freshmen out. It makes me wonder about the recruiting going on in Minnesota right now.
2: Nobody's buying into that row of the boats or shit. Nobody.
0: <laughs> it's a facade. Tanner. He can go row that boat to Loserville. <laughs> <laughs> all right, last call to you, Tanner. I I am going to go a little bit away from college football for a second, and I'm going to do a little shout-out to MLB. Uh, We are getting into the crunch time of the season, uh, and and the the thing that our biggest takeaway is, is how good are the Cardinals right now? I mean, the best team in the NL since the All-Star break. Uh, They're up 3-1 tonight at L.A., and you know what? The Cubs lost again tonight, so go Cards. No comment.
1: The the Cubs just picked up Daniel Murphy, who just hit in his last fourteen or last twenty four games in Wrigley Field. He's hit four thirty eight with fourteen home runs. Uh, our offense is about to get a lot better, and our and our pitching's picking up a little bit better than what it was. So we're not losing last. We're not losing that one.
2: All right, last call to me. Uh- And last call goes to college football Saturday. Finally, we get a little bit of college football action. Not a lot of, not any good games, but there's some interesting games. There's two that uh, might be interesting that I'll probably have on the TV. Uh, Hawaii at Colorado State. Colorado State's 14-point favorite. So, you know, we'll see how great that one is. But the one that I'm really looking forward to is Wyoming at New Mexico State. Wyoming's three-and-a-half-point favorites. We made it, guys, a whole year. College football's back. I love it. Tyler, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I don't know if i get a chance to watch much football this weekend. Uh, this might be my last weekend that I uh, try to be a semi-good fiancé, but uh, I, I am so excited. It is literally my favorite time of the year, I, and I am so pumped that my Saturdays will be full once again.
1: Derek? Football's here, boys. And just, and, hey. Besides those four games, like, like there's, there's four games Saturday, and I, I find I actually find the Colorado State Hawaii game a little more entertaining than the other one. But uh, next time we next by the time most people will listen to this, we'll be in single digits before Husker football starts. Yeah. So, Nate, so so like I mean I'm like super stoked. We're we're less than eleven days right now. By the time a lot of people listen to this, we'll probably be down to nine days. And hey. Anytime you're in single digits, getting ready, getting ready for game day, I'm, I'm, well, the next,
2: yeah, next week we t- next time we talk it will be game week. We'll be talking about Akron. We'll be previewing Akron yeah. and uh, making our picks for week one, doing real game picks. So I'll and giving her a season
0: it well, sure, our
1: season finally preview. finally, able to give
0: our season preview.
1: True. Yeah, it, it, sure, it sure makes preparation for this show a lot easier, doesn't it?
0: Oh yes.
2: All right, guys, let's get out of here. Be sure to follow the Husker CuzCast on Twitter, at Husker CuzCast. Like us on Facebook. Give us feedback. Maybe you like our show, maybe you don't. Let us know. Please share the episode. You can find all of our episodes on Podbean and on iTunes. You can, On behalf of Derek and Tyler, we want to thank everybody for listening. We'll see you next week. As always, Go Big Red!
1: Go, Go Big, Big Red! Red. I'm just gonna try it.